And so a lot of you will know if you've been here over the last few weeks that we've been currently taking some time to to go through a series called Flow. And we're unpacking together a, a vision that God gave to a guy called Ezekiel. And God gives Ezekiel this vision at a time when he and the nation of Israel are feeling pretty lost. Things had not gone the way they'd planned. They'd been carried into exile by the Babylonians and they're now, look, things are pretty hopeless and they've got no idea how they're going to get back on track. How to find their way back to where they, they should be. And it's in the midst of this that, that God gives Ezekiel this vision. And we, we find it in Ezekiel chapter 47. And in Ezekiel chapter 47, what we read about in this vision is that there's this river, but it's, it's not a normal river, it's a, it's a miracle river. Because this river begins as, as just a trickle, a tiny trickle that is, is kind of flowing from the presence of God. But instead of it soaking into the ground and disappearing in the way that a trickle should, it grows and it becomes a stream, which becomes a river, which becomes this torrent of water that is flowing so fast and is so deep and is so wide that nobody could cross it. And we read that this river flows across the desert and it it flows into the Dead Sea. It flows into the place where there is no hope and it brings life. It brings transformation. Ezekiel tells us where the river goes, everything will live. And so this miracle river is a miracle not only because it defies the laws of nature and it grows, but because it's a river which carries the life of God. It brings life and hope and transformation wherever it goes, even in what seem like hopeless situations. And then Ezekiel, he looks up and he sees on both banks of the river trees that are growing. And these trees have put their roots down deep and they're drawing their life from the river of God. And so they are the most beautiful and fruitful and flourishing trees that you can imagine. They bear fruit the whole year round, month in and month out. They never wither, they never droop, no matter what season it is or what goes on around them. Because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Because the life of God flows to them. And this is the most incredible picture of what God's heart is for you. And what God's heart is for us as a church and our community and our nation. And the entire world. That his love, that his life would flow into you. And it would flow through you. And wherever it goes, it would bring life and hope and transformation. Even in the most hopeless of situations. You know, and a big part of, of how we can position ourselves to receive the life of God, a big part of how we can position ourselves is by where it is that we choose to put our roots down. It's about what we look to for our life, what we look to for our help, what voices we listen to and allow to influence us. Because the influences that we surround ourselves with will tug at us like the current of a river as it flows along. And so God wants us to put our roots down in in a place where the flow that influences us is the river of God. Is the spirit of God, is the love of God, is the truth of God. 
And his promise is that when we do that, we will find life and hope and transformation. His promise is that when we look to him for our directions, we will never stay lost. But he will always bring us back on track. And so this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 1. And in Psalm 1, what we find is David talking about the kind of influences that are around And where we should look for our our life and our direction, if we want to be like a tree that is planted by the river of God, which bears fruit and flourishes and whatever it does prospers. If we want the flow of the, the life of God flowing into us and bringing transformation and causing us to flourish. And this is what David writes. He says, blessed is the man. That is, content, fulfilled, on the right track, with no sense of feeling lost in life, is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. It's that same imagery that God gave to Ezekiel. And David starts off by recognizing that there are a whole lot of different voices that surround us in the world. A whole load of different influences that tug at us, and not all of them are good. Not all of them are going to help us to to get onto or to stay on the right track. Not all of them are going to lead to this kind of a, a blessed life of knowing the life of God flowing into us and bringing us hope and transformation and making us flourish. And so he starts by saying there are some of these influences that you need to avoid. If you want to be blessed... If you want to know the life of God flowing into you, then you need to make sure you're not listening to the counsel or the advice of the wicked. And this doesn't mean avoiding hanging around with with murderers and, and people like that. David is simply contrasting godly advice with worldly advice. It's not even necessarily so much about who it is that you're spending time with as it is about where it is you're looking for your answers. You see, no one wakes up one day And says, right, I'm going to do something really evil today. I'm going to do something that hurts someone. I'm going to be a bad person. Nobody does that. It's a progression. And it starts by walking in the counsel of the wicked. And we might not even realize it's happening, but around us, there are constant voices looking to influence us. There is a constant flow of worldly advice coming into our lives, which tugs at us. And it says things like, you know, it's okay to, to cheat or lie, so, so long as you don't get caught. You know, it's good to get drunk now and then. You need times when you can let your hair down and, and have some fun. You know, drink as much as you like, just don't drink and drive. You know, you'd be crazy not to live together before you get married. How do you know it'll all work out? It doesn't matter if you don't have money for it now. Just stick it on the credit card. You deserve to have what you want. You don't have to wait. Live life your way. Don't let anyone else tell you what to do. Believe what you want. Do what you want. And so long as no one else gets hurt, what does it matter? What harm does it do? 
And while often it's not going to come in, in such blatant statements as that, the thing is that as we, we watch the lifestyles that are, are modeled to us on TV, as we see the adverts on the internet, as we watch and listen to, to friends and colleagues and people in the community, this is what's modeled and the kind of direction that we're pointed in. This is the advice that their lives give and the influence that is constantly tugging at us. It may not be what you think of as wicked, but it's simply not godly. So as you go through life, you are naturally picking up advice through through all of the different means of communication that surround us. And we're we're constantly being influenced. And the big question that David encourages us, us to start asking before we take on board lifestyles that are being modeled, before we take on board advice that is given to us, is whether or not that advice is godly or ungodly. And he says, if you discover that it's ungodly, then look somewhere else. Don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Don't surround yourself with the advice of the ungodly. Because if you do, he says, what will happen is that the advice that you are taking on board, the influence that is flowing into you, will begin to shape the decisions that you make and the way that you live and the perspective that you have. And you'll move from walking in the counsel of the wicked from being surrounded just by ungodly advice to standing in the way of sinners and to sitting in the seat of mockers, it will shape your life and eventually you will just become like them. And part of the the challenge that I think that we have in our culture is that because there are so many different ways of communication, so many different ways that we're bombarded with information, so many different voices that we're constantly surrounded by advice that we're given that we don't even ask for, through the things that we, we look to for entertainment like TV and music, to the adverts that pop up alongside perfectly good websites and you just get this advert which just pops up there. As these things flow into our lives, the constant tug of the current is the counsel of the wicked. It's to normalize things that are ungodly and to shape our perspective to think that they're okay. And through technology and phones and tablets and we're connected with these influences in nearly every moment of every day. And when you put all of that on, on top of the people who we work with and the friends and our families, in our culture for me it seems almost impossible for us not to walk in the counsel of the wicked. Not to be surrounded by the advice of, of the ungodly. And that means that it becomes so important that we are asking the question that David encourages us to ask. Is it godly or ungodly counsel? We have to start to recognize the influences that surround us and the things which are flowing into us for what they are. So that we can guard ourselves from allowing that influence to shape us and to shape the perspective that we have and the decisions that we make. So David starts off by talking about the influences that we need to avoid if we're going to be blessed and experience the life of God flowing into us. And then he goes on to talk about where we should look for our direction and our advice and what we should allow to influence us and shape us, the flow that we should allow to pull us along. 
And he says, the man who is, is like a tree planted by streams of water, who is flourishing and knows life in all of its fullness. The man who you kind of picture in your dream that you could be like, who you would just describe as being blessed, is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, one of those words jumped out of me as I was kind of praying and preparing for today and thinking about this psalm, and it was the word delight. Now, David says his delight is in the law of the Lord. And here's the thing. What is attractive to us What appeals to us, what looks like something that will make us happy and bring us delight is so often what we will allow to influence us and to shape us. If you can work out what you delight in, you will quickly work out what you allow to shape your life. Now, I I can remember back to to when I was at at university and I was studying uh, music. And I thought I knew where I was headed in life. I thought I knew what I wanted to give my my life to. I was a follower of Jesus, but my delight was in music. And then I met these people. I met these other students. Not music students, most of them, but students from around the city who I met in different places and different ways. And the way that they, they spoke about their relationship with Jesus, the way that they spoke about the Bible, inspired me. It was attractive. It appealed to me. There was something about it that that I wanted to know for myself and to have for myself. And so in that season of life, I was influenced by these people. And because I was influenced by these people, because it was attractive, because it appealed, because it was something in it that, that drew me, the Bible became my delight. And you know, in those, that season, I devoured it. And I would wake up in the morning and I would read a whole bunch of chapters of the Old Testament in the morning. And then in the evening, I'd read Psalms and I'd read the New Testament. And as I was reading through it, I would, every time a verse or a passage hit me, I would copy it out. And I had this huge notepad with verse after verse after verse written out that were the verses that I wanted to memorize and to input into me. And then as I would walk around the town and as I would go through my day and I'd walk around the city and I'd be doing different things, whenever there was space in my head, I'd be going through these verses one after another that I had in my notepad, trying to make sure that I could remember them and cementing them down into my heart. No one had told me that I should be doing these things. No one had told me. It wasn't out of a sense of of duty or or obligation or something that I forced myself to do because I thought that's what you should do as a follower of Jesus It was my delight. And I found life in the Bible. I found hope and purpose and direction. And I found a sense of identity and who it revealed, how God saw me and how it revealed God to me. And it captured my heart. There was nothing else quite like it. You know, it was almost that kind of giddy excitement that you you get when you're first getting to know someone who you're falling in love with. And you just want to spend every moment with them. Now, I'd be lying if I said that my time with the Bible has been like that ever since. You know, there have been times when I found reading the Bible hard, and it's been a struggle. And I well recognize that there is a joy and an excitement in discovering for the first time that just can't be replicated. 
But you know, in place of that, that giddy excitement that you have as you embark on a new relationship, it is now a, a solid, deep-rooted love for the Word of God. Simply because it reveals to us the God who loves us. And the delight that, that comes from being hit again with, with something in a fresh way, or the delight that comes with being reminded of something, or the delight that comes with going deeper with something. As God reveals something more of who he is, because while the Bible might not change, God is so infinite that the, the depths of who he is we can plumb for eternity. And I think that's what David is getting at here. It's not about it always being easy. It's not about it not being, it never being hard or it being a struggle. It's not about it, it, about reading the Bible being something that we just can't help but to want to do. What David is meaning by saying we're to be people who delight in the law of the Lord is that, that we're to be people for whom the, the Bible is the place where we look for our life. The Bible is the place where we, we look because it reveals to us something about who God is and that's our delight. And what God is wanting to say to us through the Bible is what we find attractive, is what's appealing, is what draws us. What we surround ourselves with and what we want to influence us and to shape us and to form who we are and the perspective that we have. You know, and it might be that you find reading the Bible hard. It might be that you find reading hard full stop and you just don't like to read. It might be that you don't find it hard, but you just find it boring. And you can't seem to get into it, and you can't seem to be gripped by it, and make yourself do it. You know, for whatever the reason, when you think about the Bible, if you're honest, it's just not a, a positive thing for you. Reading it just feels like a job that you've got to make yourself do. And if that's you, then let me tell you that you're not alone. And we all find it hard sometimes. We all find it dry sometimes. We all find it difficult sometimes. But let me also encourage you with another thing which struck me as I was preparing for today, which is that David doesn't say that his delight is in reading the law of the Lord. He says his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's in what the Bible says. It's in what it reveals to us. It's the truth that it contains. That's what brings us life and that's what we delight in. Reading is just a means to an end. And so if you find reading hard, if it's a slogger, if it's, and it's difficult, and you, don't beat yourself up or worry about that. Because it's just a means to an end of discovering what it is that the Bible says to us and finding life in who God is. And the problem that I think a lot of us have which stops that from happening is that in the midst of, of busy lives where we're surrounded and bombarded by so many different voices and so many different influences that pull at us, we just feel a sense of, of duty to read the Bible because it's what we know we should do and so we read it and we move on and it just becomes one more voice, one more bit of information among many. And when that happens, it can be so easily drowned out. You know, when we find life in the Bible, where that happens, where we find transformation in the Bible, where we delight in the Bible, is often not in the reading. That can be hard. That can be a discipline. But it's in what David encourages us to do. David says, meditate on it day and night. 
And it's this that means that the Bible doesn't end up as just one more source of information among many. It's this that means that we move beyond just ending up as information and reading information, but instead we discover something of what it is that God is saying to bring about transformation. Is this that means that our roots go deep into the life of God and it becomes something that we delight in and that we carry with us in, in every moment so that no matter what voices might surround us, no matter what we might be bombarded with, no matter what might be pulling at us, what influences us and what shapes us and brings us life and makes us flourish is the word of God. So, so how do we do that? What does it look like to to meditate on the law day and night? Well, the word that's translated meditate is the Hebrew word hagar. And what it really means, if you were going to translate it literally, is to mutter. It's to, to read in an undertone or to talk to yourself. You know, the idea is that we don't simply read the Bible, but we feed on the Bible. We don't empty our minds in order to meditate. We fill our minds with truth. And then we slow down long enough to actually reflect and to mull over that truth. To carry it with us through the day. Now it's like a a cow that, that chews the cud and it eats a mouthful of grass and it swallows it down and it digests it in its first stomach and then it regurgitates it and it chews it up again and it swallows it down and it digests it in its second stomach and it goes on and on getting every bit of goodness that it can out of the grass. And it's when we do this that the Bible shifts from being information to something life-giving and transformational. That it becomes the key influence in our lives that shapes us. And without this, the danger is that reading the Bible just becomes a habit, just becomes a discipline, just becomes a duty, rather than ever being our delight, or causing us to draw closer to God. You know, and the challenge that I have, and the challenge that I imagine many of you have, It's that it's hard to make that kind of space and time to meditate. We can just about squeeze in reading. But with all of the other voices, all of the other things, all of the other things which pull at us and tug at us and influence us, it's hard to make time to meditate and to reflect on what God is saying in the Bible. When our lives are so full that there are no margins and no space. When we have full lives and full calendars without space, emotionally, mentally, physically, or spiritually. You know, we look to to maximize every moment. And so we do two things at once. And suddenly, instead of just going for a run, you're going for a run and listening to music at the same time. And so you're putting more and more in there. There's no space. Instead of just washing up, you're washing up with the, the phone there, showing you a TV thing or a YouTube video at the same time. So you're maximizing that moment and there's no space. You know, so often in my experience, the times when when God whispers the loudest, the times when he brings life to me through his word are in those moments of emotional, mental, spiritual space. God is always speaking and he's always nudging and he's always leading. But he takes those moments of space to hear him. You know, Rosie often complains about how long I take in the shower. 
as one that probably surprises you. But part of that is because that is one of my few moments of space away from all of the other things that tug and pull and demand. All of the other voices. And so often it's in those moments that I hear God whisper the loudest and speak and bring life. You know, the whole point of the Bible isn't about reading it. The whole point of the Bible is about connecting relationally with Jesus and about it working transformationally to make us more like Jesus. It's one of the key means for the life of God, for the river of God to flow into us and to transform us. But that can only happen when we make space for it. When we stop treating it like information to be just kind of consumed and we make it our source of transformation that we feed on. You know, we're just about to start a a week of of prayer and fasting and there are some key things that we'll be praying for at the different meetings and key things that I'd love for us to be petitioning God for, for for one another and for this town and for the life of the church. But, But more than anything else, what is on my heart, as I said at the beginning of the meeting, is for this week to be a time when when you are released and encouraged to make time to simply quiet your mind and rest in God and receive from him. So I want to encourage you to to choose some Bible verses. To choose some Bible verses which speak about a truth that you want to get from your head into your heart and make time to meditate on them. To read them not once, but over and over and over. Asking God to speak to you and to highlight and to make words and phrases stand out as you do. To mull over those verses that you've read and to invite the Holy Spirit to be part of that process with you. And to bring life to that process for you. To reveal fresh truth to you and then to ask God to make that that truth cement in your heart so that you carry it with you. Simply just to allow space for God to minister to you. Out of his love. You know, prayer is more than just talking to God. It's about us receiving from God. And that's what's on my heart for this week. That it will be a time when God refreshes and restores and renews and convicts and draws us closer to him. When he ignites our hearts so that we delight in him. And maybe that's your biggest prayer is God wants to make space and time for you. Because I know in my heart I don't delight in you. I want to. Maybe I want to, want to, but it's not quite there. But God, I can't do it on my own. So I'm going to carve out space and time and I'm going to read some verses about about how incredible you are and your amazing love. And I just pray that as I do, that you would come and you'd minister to me by your spirit and you'd ignite my heart, that I would delight in you and find that joy in you. Because I can't do it on my own. But in order for God to be able to work in our lives in that kind of a way, we need to make space. We need to make time. 
Time to rest in God. Time to meditate on God's word. Time to receive from him. It might be that you're not sure how to begin. Say so the biggest thing is just make that space and give God time. But, you know, for me, I found that so much of my life and my delight and what God is speaking to, to me has been through memorizing the Bible been memorizing specific words and carrying them with me and going over them in my head and allowing them to sink in so that then they're in my heart and God can bring them to mind at any moment. For Rosie, though, I know that, that one of the things that she's been great for her, particularly recently, it's a fairly recent thing, but she's, uh, she got for, I think it was for Christmas, or maybe, no, before Christmas, but she, early Christmas present, I think it was, she got for Christmas a, a creative journaling Bible. It's a Bible which has physical space in it for her to not just make notes, but to draw and to colour. And it has verses written out that she can colour in. And it means that no longer does she approach the Bible as something she's just got to read, but she takes time over it. And she allows God to speak to her. She slowly takes time to colour something in. She's meditating and focusing on that. And God makes different things stand out to her. And it's helped Rosie approach the Bible in a completely different way. And given God the space to bring life to her through it. You know, it might be that you're not used to reading the Bible at all and you don't even know what you should read. And, and if that's you, let me encourage you to start read, by reading a gospel. By reading one of the accounts of the life of Jesus and who he is. Because he's the one that you're going to fall in love with. Don't feel you've got to read five chapters a day. But maybe just start by asking God at the beginning, God, just highlight, make something jump out to me, um, and, and just start reading. And maybe something will jump out to you because you don't understand it, or because it's a question, or maybe something will jump out at you because it hits your heart and it inspires you, or because it shows you something about who you are, or something about who God is. And when you hit that moment, stop. Don't keep reading. Because when you keep reading, you're just bombarding yourself with more information. And God's just raised something that he wants to do with you. He wants to show you about. So you've got something there that you can go to God and say, God, I don't understand this. I'm going to give you space. I'm going to give you time. Come and show me what it is that this is about. Why is this in the Bible? What does it mean? God, how incredible that you say that that you have a plan and a purpose for my life. God, will you just come and speak to me about that and reassure me that I'm secure in you. When you hit something where God highlights something and he's speaking to you, stop. And give him space. Take that as your thing to meditate on and ask God about and make space for God to speak to you through it in a deeper way so that he can, it's not just information, but it brings about transformation. You know, as I finish, I want to leave you with a, a few questions for you to be honest with yourself and God about. And they're going to pop up on the screen here um, as well. So first question, what kind of influences are you surrounded by in life? Only you know that. Just be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. What kind of influences are you surrounded by in life? When you need advice or direction, who or, or what do you look to or go to? And is it godly or is it ungodly counsel? We go on to the next questions. Where do you look for approval of your choices? I think this is a huge one. You know, it can be so easy to end up looking to the people or the things that give us a sense of permission to do what we want to do. Or to make us feel like what we've done is okay. 
Yet even though it can be uncomfortable, what we really need are the people who are going to call us up and help us to be more than we are. And the last question, how can you make space this week to meditate on the Bible and allow God to speak to you in a new way? What are you going to do? What change are you going to make? Now, I really believe that it's as we take time to rest in God and to receive from him that we will see the life of God flowing into us and into the situations that we face and into the areas of our hearts where we need him and bringing transformation. Transformation like never before. And if you're here this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a a Christian, let me encourage you to give this a go too. David promises that the result is that you will be blessed, which is something that we all want, so what's the harm? Let me encourage you to try and read the Bible for yourself this week, and as you do, to simply ask God to speak to you through it and to to make space for, for that to happen and time for that to happen. But I want to see God working not only in me, but in every single one of your lives. That when people look at you, they would see you as a tree planted by the river of God that is bearing fruit, that is flourishing, that can withstand whatever season comes along, that even in the midst of the harshest winter, it still stands there flourishing, leaves green, fruit on its branches. And if we want the life of God to flow into us, we need to make space for God to speak to us.